Nobody's going to forget Glass Tiger or Alan Frew, and it's nice to have you in the studio. Good morning. Good morning. Pleasure to be here. I've seen you a few times in the last little while. One was that um, show, which was a benefit, that was happening in Terrebonne, Quebec. Yeah. And it was happening in one of the uh, Dragon's Den's, Dragon's Houses. Yes. And as you probably noted, his house is so big, it has another house. <laughs> I, I, as a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, there's actually like three or four of the houses around that area that he, I think he owns them all. It's very strange because it's an ordinary residential district yeah. with ordinary houses and then yeah. all of a sudden it's this, the Great Gatsby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, at that show it was very funny and I don't know how often you do this because everybody's always going to have this impatience to hear Don't Forget Me When I'm Gone. Mm -hmm. But you tease the audience. You say, we're not playing it tonight. Uh, and I yeah. thought... I don't know Alan Frew that well, so maybe he is one of those people who's like, screw you, I'm tired of that song. But no, you, you brought it out. Of course. I, I, I like to just mess with him a little bit and say, you know, you're not getting it tonight. It's a it's a new bylaw, and and then eventually lay it on them at the end of the evening. Rosemary Clooney had a song that was actually the theme to her TV show called Come On Over to My House, mm. and she didn't like singing it. So in a concert, she would say, oh, I suppose you want Come On Over to My House. So she would sing it at triple speed. It would take about a minute and a half. Uh, no, I... I mean, a song is only as good and a band is only as good as its audience. I know that sounds cliche, but it's true. Um, and, you know, if you're having a great time with the audience, I mean, how many times have I sung Don't Forget Me When I'm Gone? Like thousands. But it, it it's, it's sort of brand new each time because you're in front of a different audience, a different atmosphere, and if people are having a good time, then the song comes out you know, um, appropriately uh, having a good time also. Do you have to remind yourself to salt in the charisma or does that come naturally? Because, you know, you could be doing it on autopilot if you wanted. Um, I, I would have to say whatever's coming out is coming out naturally. Now, there's, of course, there are times where you're, you know, you might be under the weather, you know, and, yeah. you're, you know, it's a tough gig when you're running about with a flu or something like that. But again, I've been doing it a long time and, and you just, you know, you just suck it up and you go there. Well, you guys have been together since 1983, so that's a... 81, I think, actually, we got to... We, okay. we met up, but yeah, but... Maybe early, 83 was the record deal? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, probably, they were wooners probably by 84 and 85. Okay, well, let's talk about 80s and 90s music. Okay. Because around 1985, I was working in college radio, so okay. all of the artists you're listing here were part of that, the lineup yeah. then. So, I mean, you're going to be doing a concert where you're going to perform songs by Simple Minds, Tears for Fears, Midnight Oil, R.E.M., In Excess, Tragically Hit, Pearl Jam, and Robert Palmer, and that's just a, a yeah. few of them. Um, I was going to say, what's your fixation with 80s and 90s music? But you're, <laughs> you're a part of it. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I came out of, you know, I grew up listening to the Beatles and the Who and the Stones and whatnot. I always say that I didn't find the 80s, the 80s found me. But uh, it was just, um, it, there was an attraction to the vibrancy and the fun and and, and it just the, the melodies and lyrics that were coming at us with a synthesized sound. And uh, I, I grew into it quite comfortably. I was already in the bars already doing um you know covers by you know the police and simple minds you know bands that came just before us you two so i was very comfortable with that 
And then, of course, we sneak our originals in. Yeah. Bar owners didn't want your originals in those days. They only wanted covers. But then if you started filling the bars, that made them happy. So they didn't care. So we used to uh, we used to cheat the system. We'd say, here's a song called You're What I Look For by a new band from England called The Thin Red Line. And he, the bar owner wouldn't care. And uh, and so we then, obviously, we get wooed by record companies. Heading into the 90s, things, um, I was just talking about this actually, I remember being in Berlin uh, with Glass Tiger and I'd been sent a care package of, you know, different things and music obviously was in it and I put the headphones on and I heard this band called Nirvana. Oh yeah. And I thought, wow, the change is coming. And so... Uh, the, the grunge came next, and but the '90s also sort of I, I I think it kind of sophisticated the pop scene with bands like REM, um, and uh, and so uh, as a solo artist I entered into the '90s with great enthusiasm, and now here we are with me getting a chance to perform from 1980 to 1999. And it's fascinating the way music evolves, because you mentioned, you know, hearing a song, a grunge song, and thinking, okay, a new era is coming. Right. I remember hearing the Sex Pistols in the 1970s. I do too, And yes. that was the end of disco. Exactly. And maybe the Sex Pistols were too much for some people, so you get the police, and then you start moving through the yep. second invasion and all of exactly. this music. But also the 80s, what I find so fascinating is, it's the same era as Springsteen, Bowie, mm -hmm. Tina Turner, Aha. I mean, it was extraordinarily diverse. Uh, uh, Freddie Mercury. D d exactly, definitely. Um, you know, th some of the bands that we talk about, like The Who and Led Zeppelin and these, they were still putting great stuff out in, in through the 80s. So that's what makes it incredibly unique, that it was so diverse that there was enough for everybody. But you find... And unless I'm, you know, sadly wrong, but you find that most people that love the 80s love the fact that it was so diverse. You know, you can crank Freddie Mercury out and then the police and then Glass Tiger or whatever it is and just uh, Boy George, you know, yep. it's really diverse. Alan Frew is here from Glass Tiger. He's getting ready for a special show where he's going to sing the hits from the 80s and 90s. And you moved from Scotland with your family to uh, Newmarket Correct. when you were 16. Correct. Was that tough? Very tough. Um, uh, you know, I was an immigrant with a funny, uh, funny accent, and um, uh, I'm writing a novel right now that's, that's fiction based on a lot of this stuff, and um, that's a big part of it, like be, what it was like being an immigrant, because it was kind of funny because the girls loved it. And the guys hated it. And the guys Probably hated, the girls the guys hated it, yeah. it because the girls loved it. <laughs> and so it was, you know, it was uh, it was tough. It was tough. There was, um, you know, uh, quite a few scraps. Yeah. Some newcomers will shake the accent off so they don't stand out. But, I was uh, 16. Is your accent different now? Probably if you heard my dear friends from Scotland, if they came over tomorrow... Uh, conversely, if I go over there and I called, well, I was doing this interview from Scotland after being over there maybe a week, you'd be thinking, Alan, I need a translator. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I just think that uh, it, it might have softened up a little bit through the years. But I was 16, and plus I was playing our football 
you know, I was playing in two or three different teams, and and everybody was Scottish and Irish, and and you know, and you go to the pub, and it was like you were in a pub in Scotland, so it never changed. How did you like the Walk of Fame? It was okay. It was fun. I mean, uh, I get asked, uh, you know, what it means to me. I see it more as a kind of legacy of, you know, and it gave us the ability uh, to thank those who had sacrificed, you know, all these years with us, watching us walk out the door over and over and over again. Other than that, I just kind of, you know, just kind of roll yeah. with it. Because I just thought, what a lineup! Again, the music that I was playing mm -hmm. mostly on college radio—that was fun being in the building with. Yeah, everybody. well, that's the thing. It's one of those nights where you probably don't get to see an awful lot of those people because you're on the road, and they're on the road. Certainly, don't get to see as many of them together like that. You cross paths, you know, Kim, Kim Mitchell and Glass Tiger, and April Wine and Glass Tiger, and you know, we've all the Platinum Blonde. We cross paths. We might do a show together, but to see them all in the one building like that, it was quite incredible uh, some of the songs you've written someday which is an absolute favorite of mine oh, thank you and a lot of people may not know you and uh, Stephen Macchio wrote I believe which I think was sung by Nikki Yanofsky correct and that was an Olympic theme yes exactly yeah that's pretty cool it was very cool <laughs> what is your approach to writing something that is supposed to be inspirational is there is that harder uh, with that one like m most of my writing uh, you know it just comes from uh, I go after melody first. We bit the John Lennon kind of thing where I, I write kind of gobbledygook a little, you know, just whatever emote whatever comes out. But in that particular case, I'd been told that believe was going to be the the theme, um, the thread running through for the Canadian team, and so I actually sat down and I just thought about sacrifice, uh, whether you're an athlete or you know whether you're an actor or uh, a performer the sacrifice that goes into like I thought about those mums and dads getting up at four o'clock in the morning and taking little Johnny or Debbie to the ice rink or the swimming pool and years of sacrifice um, and it just I just emoted uh, I believe it's nice to see you I'll make Thank sure everybody so. knows about the concert and Thank I think you it's so gonna much. be a fantastic it's a one-night affair we're, we're doing one night because okay. we want to this is us testing the waters okay I've done it corporately and I could do it corporately but I'd like to, we'd all like to see if uh, people would like to actually sh actually show up uh, for a concert buy a ticket and come see it so We'll see what Pretty comes sure they that. will. I hope so. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Alan Frew with Glass Tiger. The event is happening at the Toronto Opera House on February 17th.